and welcome to Age Space Money, the podcast that gives you insights, ideas and perspectives on funding and elderly care. I'm Annabelle James. And I'm Jason Butler, Annabelle's right-hand man on Hooray. anything and everything to do with personal finance. Brilliant. We're here. We're back. And today we're going to be talking about lasting powers of attorney, which actually was something I hadn't even heard of until about five years ago, until I had to sort one out with my own dad. There's lots of kind of smoke and mirrors around LPAs. Maybe you could just enlighten us a little bit, Jason. Well, it's essentially a document that you sign to say that someone else or other people, if there's more than one, can do certain things with whether it's your health care or whether it's your financial assets in the event either that you lose mental or physical capacity, mm. you can't make decisions yourself, or you can make decisions yourself but you're not able to because you're not in the country or you're otherwise disposed, uh, say you're doing a round-the-world trip and you've got a business to sell or something. So these powers of attorney can either be lasting, which is what a lasting power of attorney means, throughout your life until you revoke it, right? or it can be a limited power of attorney. Mm-hmm. So, for instance, when I was on holiday once and I was selling a business, I gave a limited power of attorney to my lawyer so he could execute the completion documents in my absence. Ah. Yeah. So it just says... Daniel, yeah. you can sign on my behalf to execute the sellers' business, and when I come back and the money's in the bank, that falls away. Okay. Make sense? Yep. Right. But what we're talking about here is lasting, ones that we expect to go on for the rest of our life until we either replace them or rescind them. Right. Right. So the issue really is, for most people, a lasting power of attorney is about probably appointing one or two people that they trust or know them very well mm. to make certain decisions for them in the event that they lose mental and or physical capacity. Yeah. Right. So that's whether it's Alzheimer's or whether it's a stroke or something else. Mm. Now, that's the problem because most people don't want to think about that, do they? No. I mean, your mum and dad probably didn't rock up and say, you know what, <laughs> when we suddenly lose our faculties, could you please make some decisions Step for in. us and let's get the documentation together because yeah. people don't think that's going to happen to them, do they? No, absolutely Was not. that your experience? Yeah, completely. I think it was after my mother had a stroke and dad had had a couple of TIAs little strokes and he was frightened that there might come the day where nobody could even pay for a pint of milk because right. we had got nothing in place. So here's the interesting thing. He was interested in doing the lasting power of attorney, yep. but he was under pressure mentally and emotionally, wasn't yeah, he? Absolutely. Because an event had happened. Now, here's the first tip of the day. Yeah. If you're going to put a lasting power of attorney in, and we'll come back to why you might in a minute, mm. do it when you don't need it because yeah. you're thinking clearly, you're not under pressure, you can get the documentation done. You can choose the right people to do what. You can take mm. appropriate advice. Do it when you're not under pressure. Yeah, oh, definitely. I mean, we should all have one, really, shouldn't we? You, yeah. you don't need to be old. You shouldn't be old I'm to have one. I'm 48 and I have one. My wife's yeah. 53. She has one. Yeah. And we did that around about the same time as we did it for my parents-in-law. Yeah. And my next-door neighbour who came into, he's a doctor, he came in to witness mm. it as the independent person. He said, well, and I had mine done at 45. He said, why are you doing this? You're very young. Yeah. I said, well, because, you know, I drive. <laughs> I go to the gym, you know, mm. I, I do the normal things that most people do. I could mm. still have a heart attack, I could mm. still have a stroke and I could have a car accident. So why do you think there's sort of so much angst around a power of attorney? People don't really want to have one. Is it just red tape paperwork or are people frightened of giving up control? Or The very simple essence is that most people in families find it very difficult to talk about money. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Okay. Secondly, mm. let's think about it. If you've been the patriarch or the matriarch and you controlled the money and you've had the mm. air of responsibility, your dad didn't find it easy, did he, to turn around and say, come on, Annabelle, can I give you authority? to?" Because it's kind of almost admitting that that might happen in the future. 
Yeah. And he's probably a very proud man, isn't he? A very mm. responsible man. I mean, he was the guy that was a man did, his, will. did his will every year, <laughs> didn't he, right? Yeah. So he's not going to find it easy. No. And and that is the big issue. It's, it's discussing things. So mm. I didn't ask my parents-in-law. I said, look, we aren't going to have dramas of trying to make decisions for you, mm. right, if something happens to you. You need to give us a power of attorney so that we can make sensible decisions. And there are t two types of powers of attorney. And yes, I'm going to ask you about yes. those. So there's one called a financial and property. Yep. So dealing with financial and property. And there's another one called health and well-being. So that's to do with medical care and so on. Now, the medical care one, I would say, is absolutely essential. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is, is when I do my financial well-being talks, I tell people about Paul Briggs, who was a policeman. Um, in his 40s, driving to work as a traffic policeman, and he ended up in basically a vegetative state as a result of a car accident mm. on the way to work as he came off his motorbike. And the doctors wouldn't take away the feeding tubes, mm. even though he'd said during his life that he wouldn't want to live like that. Mm. And they had to take the hospital to the court of appeal yeah. to get them to take away the... Uh, and there was a whole family was in agreement. But if he'd done a lasting power of attorney... Yeah health and well-being and giving his wife and or perhaps his brother or sister some sort of uh, powers, then they would have been able to actually say to the doctors, assuming, you know, he's never going to get better, please take away the feeding tubes. And they would have avoided all that problem. Sure. Also, I've got very strong views. So, for instance, I don't want to be kept alive on a, a life support machine. I yeah. say just pull the plug out the first time of trouble. Yeah. My wife says she wants to be in cryonic suspension forever, never to ever <laughs> take the plug out, right? So in her power of attorney, it's different. On my power of attorney, I have my brother and my wife, and mm -hmm. they have to act together. Yep. And on hers, she has me and her brother. Yep. So we've got that check and balance of two people who care about us, but slightly different perspectives, who have to agree. Brilliant. Otherwise, it can't be used. And it has to be two people? Yes. Okay. But they don't always have to agree. So you can say that they can act separately, or they have to agree. We've decided on ours that we want the two attorneys we've appointed that they must agree, otherwise they can't use the power. Okay. Okay. The other power is the property and finance one. Yeah. Now, this is important. When my father-in-law had a cancer 20-odd years ago, and he was in hospital for months, and because all the accounts were in his name only, as they used to be in the day, yeah. okay, his wife couldn't access any finances to pay mm. bills. So I had to pay the gas bill, the water bill. And 20-odd years later, I still have never got that money back from him <laughs> that I paid for those bills <laughs> because we couldn't access any of his accounts. Yeah. So it's not about big decisions. It's about sometimes the smaller it's decisions. It's really practical stuff, yeah. isn't and you, it? And the other thing about these powers, you can make them very limited, so very narrow, yes. or you can make them really, really wide. Okay. There are three golden rules with your powers of attorney that you have mm. to think of. One is you have to think very carefully who you appoint as the attorneys, mm -hmm. okay? It's not always the case that it's your son or daughters. No. Okay, and sometimes... It's a good thing it isn't, presumably. Well, no, often they will be the people that know you best and care mm. most, but where people get a bit concerned sometimes, they've heard stuff in the press about all oh, powers of attorney aren't good, Yeah. Um, is because they've been misused by a dishonest or unethical son or a daughter who's perhaps helped themselves to some of mum and dad's money to meet their own needs on the basis that they're entitled to it. Well, that's against the law mm. and they can be prosecuted. But just because some people don't use the powers properly doesn't mean the powers are wrong. Okay, so choose yeah. the powers carefully. And if you're if you're a bit concerned you've got a son or a daughter who might be a little bit suggestible, a little bit helping themselves, mm. perhaps their business is going down the drain or they've got divorced or they're under some sort of financial pressure and they might cloud their judgment, mm. just put them on with another person who would be um, a little bit trust. of a, a check and a balance to yeah. any silliness. Well, that makes sense. Um, and I was listening to somebody on the radio who was saying that her mum had given them power of attorney and she had dementia 
But the bank was still enabling the lady to go and cash checks in the bank, even though she really shouldn't have been. And they wouldn't let No, no, the that daughter... wasn't, she didn't have dementia. She hadn't been proven as having dementia. Ah, okay. She was going a little bit diffident and she was getting a bit forgetful, but she yep. hadn't been diagnosed with dementia. Okay. She hadn't been diagnosed as losing capacity, as we call it. Ah, okay. okay. And because they ticked the box that said it can only be used if the person loses capacity... Right. And because, despite her mental decline... Mm she hadn't had a formal diagnosis of dementia. That's why she couldn't use it. OK. So the advice there is to go and get a proper diagnosis and then and tick that right box in that form. Well, when you set it out, you mm. have to discuss with the person who's giving you a power of attorney. Ideally, you want an all, what I call an all-ski pass. You, you yeah. don't really want it to be only when you've lost capacity. But no. some people feel they're not prepared to give it to someone unless they put that power that says only when I've lost capacity. So if that okay. is the case, it's all down to the person giving you the attorney, not the person who's going yeah. to act as the attorney. Okay. okay. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So that's the second golden rule. Now, the third golden rule, what some people don't realise is that if you have a financial and property lasting power of attorney, and if you've got uh, an investment portfolio being managed for you by someone, you need to make sure that there is specific power in the attorney for you to be able to delegate the investment and custody of your assets to a third-party nominee and investment manager. Ooh, what does that mean in English? Well, what it means <laughs> is if you go and hire someone to manage your money or portfolio, let's say, you know, let's just pretend you and I are married, Annabelle. Yeah. Right? Just hold Lucky that thought. You. Hold that thought. I, know, I can't believe it. I'm pinching myself. Yeah, how does life get any better? But if we've got a portfolio being managed and we give the money to someone to manage for us, and they hold it in an investment account. Mm. They're making decisions for us. We've delegated the day-to-day, -day, the, the nitty-gritty of running our money, our investment portfolio, to someone else. Yeah. But we, we can do that in law. Mm. But if we lose capacity and our children come in and take over as a power of attorney our affairs, unless the power of attorney that they're using specifically says, and we are able to use delegated investment management and nominee services, mm -hmm. they are not able to give oh. or receive instructions to the investment manager. So in other words, the investment manager is no longer able to continue managing that money. So what happens then? Well, basically, they can't manage it's the money. They have to basically stop managing it and have to send it back to them. Okay. So therefore, if mum and dad are relying on that money for their care fees... That's a potential big issue, isn't it? Yeah, huge. Right? Especially if yeah. they're needing dividends yeah, and so yeah. on. So make sure if you haven't done that, that you've got that power added. And of course, the other subsidiary point of this golden rule, this third golden rule, is making sure that you also make a note of your digital assets, that someone can control your digital assets. So if they're trying to control your social media or whatever it is, that they've got yep. the power to do that as well, specifically. Of course, it's all quite complicated, isn't it? And somebody was saying that there's something other than a power of attorney, that is quite an appealing way to manage things. It's called a deputyship. Oh, yeah. And basically you go to the court of protection and you actually have to apply to a judge and say, I want to take over deputyship of someone's affairs because they've lost capacity. Okay. And one of the reasons why some of the judges like this, it means the court at that time can assess, once the person's lost capacity, whether this person who's coming up to want to take over their affairs, whether they are the right person. And they can actually set wide or narrow terms of what they can and can't do. So in other words, it's almost kind of leaving it to the last minute. But I'm not so keen with that because I'd rather choose while I've got my faculties who can do what, where and when. Yep. It doesn't guarantee that they are going to follow the law. It doesn't mean that they're always going to do what's right. But it does mean you're in control as opposed to the court. So if I went to apply for a deputyship for for me, for my mum, 
and the court didn't like the cut of my jib, they could say no to me and... Yeah, the court protection or the okay. office of public guardian could actually appoint someone. Okay. So, you know, it's it's no one who's vulnerable is ever going to kind of not have someone looking out for them. Sure. It's just a question of who it's going to be. Okay, brilliant. Thank you, Jason. Well, that's it for this episode of Age Space Money. Thank you very much for listening and thanks to our lovely producer, Sally Spurring of Wirefree Productions. You're welcome. You can join the AgeSpace community at agespace.org and please do get in touch with us with questions or ideas or thoughts for the podcast. Um, Our email is info at agespace.org. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this episode and it's been useful, please do rate and review us so more people can find us. You can listen and subscribe to Age Space Money on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts by clicking on the subscribe button. And there are more editions of the Age Space Money podcast about funding care, equity release, making wills, and getting yourself financially organised. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you can join us next time. <laughs>